Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. I'm glad that He cares for us. And I was praying this morning. I said, God, you know, I began to pray in the Spirit, and I, I, prayed, I prayed this you know, simple prayer. I said, Father, touch those who are far from you today. And then he kind of corrected me and said, none of them are far from me. They think they are. But like Jesus said to that one, he said, you are not far from the kingdom. So many times we think we're farther than we are from God. We think that our lifestyle or the sinful ways that we have done and the way that we live and just how our life is set up, we think that's so far, you know, I am far removed from being able to be a Christian. So maybe, you know, maybe check back with me in a couple years. Maybe, you know, whenever things are more set in place for me, for me to kind of, you know, do the thing and, and jump into that whole deal, then maybe I'll do it then, check back. But, but that, that's not how it works. When the Holy Spirit begins to draw us, begins to minister us, begins to, you know, to touch us, we don't know how long we have, and we don't know how many times Jesus is going to pass by us. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of breakthrough. Today is the day when the anointing is here to destroy the yoke over your life. We don't get to fabricate the designs of our own freedom and our own recovery. When Jesus is there, when the Holy Spirit moves, that's the time. Because someone smarter than us and smarter than me has designed it to reach out that way. Think about that. We think we know when we ought to have our breakthrough. He's a lot smarter than us. So if, he, if you feel the drawing of the Holy Spirit, you feel his ministry to you today, you feel that, that, that desire, that need, I would heed that because he knows us better than we know us. Amen? The story that uh, it's one of my favorite stories I want to share a little bit of it today because I just felt the Holy Spirit quicken me and, you know, just take me in this way in preparation. Does anybody remember in 2010 when uh, all those uh, miners got buried under that crazy rock slide in Chile? These Chilean miners uh, were buried under, what was it, 770,000 tons, metric tons of rock. And so immediately everybody's like, okay, well, I mean, you would think it's done. There's no way. Like, they're, they're dead. They're crushed underneath, you know, all of this mass. 33 different, uh, you know, men who were down there in the shaft, you know, mining copper and gold. And one person who was like the, the project manager on the outside said it seems so final. He said it was, like, it was like when, you know, the stone was rolled over Jesus' tomb. It was just so, it's just so unnatural. It was just so supernatural. It just seemed such finality, and that these dudes were done, dead. You know that it was over. And some of you already know the story. Um, they began to work feverishly, began to, uh, you know, to, to dig, and then, you know, really just, you know, they realized digging was pretty much pointless unless you had a really good plant, so they're bringing all this heavy equipment in, they're freaking out, they're trying to figure out, can we, you know, are they even alive, or what, what is the nature of, you know, our responsibility here, do we need to just dig, we have to be careful, because if we dig in a certain way, um, and there is a pocket that has, you know, that has remained, you know, uncollapsed, then, then if we, if we dig in the wrong place or in the wrong way or too fiercely and you know, blow up you know, the, you know, this, this shaft, then it's going to kill them if it hasn't already. So you've got to be real careful when you're digging down onto someone to make sure they're not crushed by the rock from your digging. 
So they're trying to figure out what's going on. They built a whole tent city above the, uh, above the area where the, uh, where the rock slide had happened. And they called it uh, Campo Esperanza, which is Camp of Hope or Camp Hope or City of Hope. I thought that was pretty awesome. They never, they never gave up hope. And then you know, pretty soon, as they began to feverishly work and drill through, you know, they sent down this, basically, it's a, you know, a pilot hole, basically, is what it would be, just this one tiny little shaft uh, to go down right in, into there without you know, trying to open it up to the point where they could get out just to see what was down there, see if there was anybody alive. And uh, you know, they, they received you know, this, little, uh, this little letter, you know, duct taped you know, to the probe, and it said, you know, all 33 of us are alive down here. You know, send food. They'd been down there for 13 days without, you know, with the air running out, the oxygen almost depleted. And they were subsisting on two spoonfuls of tuna and one biscuit every two days for 13 days. But they're all surviving. They're sharing it out. And they were trapped so far. I don't, I don't, do, I don't do that. I don't, I don't do caves anyway, really. You know? Like these cave divers? No, sir. No, sir. And like, you know, like, and I've gone down in caves and just walked around. They turn all the lights out. Have they done this to you? They do this trick to you. They've done this to me. And then, you know, it's so dark that it's just like, you know, it's almost like suffocatingly dark. You know, you're way, way, way in Mammoth Cave. I think that's where I was. And then they kind of pointed off and they said, well, this is where, you know, the cave explorers will go by. And they'll have to squeeze through. And, and in some areas have to, you know, if they're a big guy, exhale your breath just to squeeze through. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? People do this for fun. Good night. So they're they're trapped. Oh, I can't. I can't. My my anxiety. I can't imagine. Can you imagine? Thirteen days and you're trapped in this like small area. Mm-hmm. But then, obviously, you most of you already know the story. I think sixty nine days later, two months later, because they were able to get food and water down through that little um, borehole. Um, that they made, they were uh, they were drawn up out of there, and they said it felt like resurrection. You know, several of them had. One guy started a Bible study down there, and uh, they started to get saved, and he would give altar calls. Which I mean, you got a captive audience. You know, good night. If I go 43 and a half minutes, people will start jetting out the back. Be nice. You know, we all trapped in there. Be like, all right, let's get into that whole four point thing. I wanted to finish up. But he had a captive audience. Like, you know, you didn't even have to come to church. Like, they'd just have church in the other corner, and then you'd still have to hear echoing off the wall. So this guy's doing it. And then person after person after person begins to give their heart to Christ, you know, there with the desperation of their, you know, the predicament, you know, kind of weighing on them. You, you have to really think things through at that point. So the borehole was, you know, finally expanded to the point where it was only like 22 inches wide. So some of them, when they went down there, probably wouldn't have been able to get out until they'd lost all that weight for 69 days. You know, that's in, you know, everybody was fitting through the 22-inch gap at that point because that, even though, you know, they might not have at first. And they got out of there. And they were rescued. They are brought up. And it's a, you know, an incredible story. And I just, God brought that to my mind. And let me tell you this. There are some people who have a, a little bit askew idea of what a breakthrough is whenever God moves in your life, whenever you're going through, let's talk about going through a trial or being in a place of isolation or a place where you're walking through some, you know, you've got a lot of friends in this building. I know what some of you are walking through. And uh, 
we, we seem to think that the only way God moves is like, you know, it's just in the trial and then we all feel better. Everything's healed. Everything's perfect. That's not always how it goes, right? Sometimes you're still there. And you're just receiving just enough to survive where you're at. But it's still a miracle. And you're still not crushed. And at some point, you will break through. You will break out. You will, you will, the sun will rise on a day that God knows. I don't know maybe when that day is, but God does. And it will rise over that trial and you will leave it behind in the night. There is a time, there is a season, and it must come where God will move. And it will be done, done. But not always is it, is it this day. And I think sometimes, especially as you know, spirit-filled you know, pastors who love a good altar call and we want to see it you know, ah, done you know, right there in the name of Jesus, right on the spot. That's not always how it is. Maybe it is today. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's 68 days from now. I don't always know. And I, and I think that it's a little bit hubris on the part of the pastor when he acts like he does. It's a little bit hubris, pride. It's a little bit prideful on my part if I think that just because I preach, you know, a good message or, you know, there's a good response and you, you feel something that, that all your stuff ends right there and then it's not how it always works. And I know that because some of you, my friends, as I've preached over the last, you know, however long, I've been handing food and air down to you where you're at. And it's not the result that I want, but it's enough because your breakthrough is coming in the name of Jesus. I know what that's like. This is real preaching. This is real communication because I know that, you know, I know where you're at and I wish that I could get to where you are and draw you out of that season, out of that difficult time, out of the thing that you're walking through. I can't no matter what I do. And honestly, if I got any more explosive, then the whole thing might cave in and you might be, you know, injured or destroyed if I'm any more aggressive. But just know that God knows where you're at. And the people of God, some of them know where you're at. And, and we love you. I have poured my heart out from this pulpit many, many a time, hoping that it was the moment of breakthrough, but I'm okay that it was only the moment of just sending a little bit of hope, sending a little bit uh, of anointing, just enough for us to, because, because no matter how good I preached or no matter how hard you prayed, you went back and you faced the same thing that you faced when you came here. You faced the same thing that you saw last week, and, and, and even though we walk in victory and we operate out of His victory, it stayed the same. You didn't pray a magic prayer or I didn't lay my hand on your head and say it's done in the name of Jesus and then you walk back to a, a relationship that wasn't broken. Some of you walked right back to the same thing and you think, why did I even answer? Why, God, why did you speak through the pastor and then say these things to me if it wasn't going to break this thing loose and I wasn't going to be all better now? And some of you have been so frustrated in that that maybe you don't even want to you don't even want to have that experience but but you need it. Your deliverance is coming. I said you will one day you will walk right out of that tomb. You will walk right out of that place that you've been in and total victory will be yours. And it may be today. 
It may be today. It may be today that God will break loose something that has been lodged over top of your victory and your joy for a long time. What if it was today, and this is the day that we chose to just gloss through it? What if there was just one more layer of rock between you and your breakthrough? I don't know if today is when your trial ends. And like I said, I I do feel like it's hubris whenever ministers act like they know everything about it. And if you will come and you will submit yourself to the process of answering, then we're going to pray for you. And then you're going to get up and, oh, great, I don't have any, you know, I don't have back pain anymore. I don't have this thing. God can heal. But sometimes we're walking through a season that has a defined expiration date that he came up with in his own time for his own glory. And no matter how good I preach, I'm not moving that expiration date down. Does that make sense? And what's really frustrating for a good, proper Christian who knows how to pray, hey man, is it's frustrating whenever you can't pray that expiration date any closer for your trial. See, because God allows us to walk through things for his glory and and that we may be conformed to the image of Christ. He allows these things to come into our life. And sometimes, like, we need a breakthrough. We need to just get in line with, you know, with what he has for our life. We need to start doing right. And then, you know, the the pressure will ease. Other times, it's just the mountaintop is just where it is. And God is going to give you the strength to get there. But he's not going to move the summit lower just because you prayed the prayer right. You have to be careful. We've got to take this as mature Christians and understand what I'm saying. It doesn't mean stop praying. It means keep praying. It means keep on doing what you're doing. You you need that encounter with God. You need to rely on Him, but don't be frustrated whenever you prayed the prayer just right and you raised your hands just so and you heard the message and you you did what the pastor said, as awkward as it is, you came to the altar, you prayed and you cried and you snotted and then you got up and then you, you know, and it was great and then I went home and then everything felt like, even though my heart was encouraged and even though like God had, had been there for me, my season of walking through what I was walking through didn't really supernaturally change because the enemy will distract us like that. He'll, 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 believe, he'll cause us to believe a lie that God is not faithful and that your deliverance is not coming because it didn't come maybe when you felt like it was going to. Amen? Acts 1 and 7 says, And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or season which the Father has put in his own authority. That's why you got to be so careful. He knows. It's under his authority. I'll read a little passage from Job here. Now, most of you know the story of Job. I'll give you a little bit of background. Right now, um, Job is a good guy, and he's doing right. You know, he's not totally perfect, but he makes sacrifices. He's walking right. There's nobody who's as rich as him, and there's nobody as, as pure as him. Like, he's doing the right thing. Job is a good guy. Fair enough. So much so that now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and his household and around it on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. 
But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person, which means uh, you don't have the power of life and death over him. His possessions, the things around him, you, you can attack, you can do with what you want. Uh, we're going to run a little test because I have faith in Job. And Brother Steve's not here today, but I was talking to him um, the other day and said, you know, what an honor it is if God sometimes sends people to our church who are hurting because what it shows is a trust in us that we won't be jerks. Right? Because they are hurt. It's one thing to just, you know, send somebody who's, you know, super healthy and doing well. But if God would send somebody who has been hurt before, who is in, who is kind of on their, their, their last leg, and they're looking for hope, and they're so sensitive, they're so vulnerable spiritually. God has sent people like that to us before, and, and he will again. As long as he can trust us with those hearts. Not to be overly, purposelessly uh, dogmatic and, uh, and, and prideful, but rather to be loving and embracing and to point people gently towards Christ and to serve them and to love them in whatever state they come in. That is the identity of this church, and it will, Lord willing, will always be. Amen? Because it and, and I, I appreciate God sending people like that because it shows a certain level of trust. He said, I can trust least of these, the most sensitive, the most hurt, the most broken, because your hands will do what my hands would do in that situation. The same level of trust is uh, shown to Job because it wasn't that God was callous or didn't care. God loved Job, and he was proud of him. Sometimes when God's proud of you, that is a dangerous proposition. When God has confidence in you, that is a little bit of a, oof. Because when God was confident in Job and, and proud of him, he allowed him to be submitted to the process of loss. He loses all these people. He, he loses his property, his children. Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when the sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job saying, the oxen were plowing and donkeys feeding beside them. And when the Sabaeans raided them and took them away, indeed, they've killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped. This continues on until Job has basically lost everything in his life in the natural. He loses all of his children. He loses all of his wealth. He loses his home. He loses everything. And it all happens in one day. Just a cataclysmic collapse of everything that Job was and had and was a part of unbelievable but we know what happened through all these things Job did not curse God and we get to see the end of the story that's one thing we always forget about like whether or not uh, you know you think this way or not we're when we read the Bible we get to read it um, you know chronologically you know in our reading it's from front to back but chronologically, how it happened is from back to front. We get to see the end of the story. You know, you, you, I think some of us would be so uh, so judgmental. We would we tell we tell Job to to you know read read the book of Acts, and he'll get he'll get a word. That's several thousand years later, 
So a lot of the scriptures that would carry me maybe through what he's walking through haven't been written yet. And, jo- and the book of Job hasn't been written yet. It's being written by the decisions that he walks in blind faith toward. That's pretty wild because it's easy to say, oh, yeah, well, you know what happened to Job? And anytime we walk through a trial, we say, yeah, remember, you remember what happened with Job? Job didn't remember what happened to Job. At that point in the story, it was pretty miserable. It was pretty, uh, you know, pretty desperate. It didn't seem like there was going to be an end like there was. But we find out that through all the things that he learns, that he glorifies God and how God, uh, you know, is, is revealed through all of his struggles and the things, you know, the conversations that he has. And in the end, Job's ladder was greater than the rest because God blessed him. He, he brought him through the trial and all the tribulation. Next thing you know, he has more than he's ever had. He's more happy. He's more increased in the land. It's amazing the things that God does for Job and I want to tell you today maybe you're in that place where you just feel kind of buried you feel like you don't have any access you don't you you've been in this place of spiritual isolation maybe you just feel defeated maybe you feel like you've been struggling with this one thing for so long maybe it's your fault maybe it's not maybe it's just life but I want to encourage you I want to throw you a little bit of a lifeline today. Your trial has an expiration date. And it's frustrating that no matter how hard I pray for you or how hard you pray for yourself, we can't always move the expiration date up or down. That's just not always how it works. But it's there. So may your heart take comfort in knowing that it is there. That God knows and he knew and he said it and he said it on this side of what you can handle on purpose this side of what you can walk through it's frustrating sometimes sometimes me and me and and sister Polly will be uh, she loves it when I call her sister she hates that me and, me, me and my wife will uh, be, um, marriage, Derek, is a, uh, is, a, is a compromise sometimes, right? You know, I, I read something, you know, from a, you know, some undisclosed source the other day. It said uh, what marriage, marriage really boils down to is uh, the other person standing in front of the cabinet that you need <laughs> perpetually. Like just every, all the time, all, just trading places, standing in front of the cabinet that the, or the drawer someone else is trying to open. That's part of it. That is part of it. You know, another part of it is, uh, you know, you, whenever, you, for those of you who might, uh, you know, you know, have a, you know, a, a movie or TV show, something that you enjoy, um, sometimes she will do this passive aggressive thing, and I will too. Um, so we both do it to each other. Um, Whenever it's something like I have no interest in, like the great British baking extravaganza or something like that, something, something like that, and it'll be on, and then I will, you know, I will pause it just long enough for the, for the Netflix thing to come up and show how many minutes are left, and then either groan or say nothing based on that, and she'll know what I'm doing, you know, I'll, just, you know, I'll flip it up and be like, oh. which passive-aggressively shows how bad I hate my life at that moment. <laughs> She comes out and says it. She doesn't do that because she's not real handy with the remote. <laughs> no. And she'll just come out and say it. She's like, how many minutes are left? 
Oh, no, it's good. It's great. How many minutes are left? And I'm like, I, you're not enjoying my, uh, you know, my selection, I see. You know? But I do the same thing. I'm just more sneaky about it. I'll like, you know, kind of pause it or even just click the control just enough to where the little red bar shows up. And it's like, oh, thank the Lord. Thank goodness it's almost done. I wish, we, I, wish I could do that for you with this season that you're in. I really do. And don't you wish you could too? Just click pause for a second and see how many minutes, how many days, how many months, how many weeks are left in this thing that you're having to walk through. That hit home a lot harder than some of you people are acting like. Don't you wish that you could just click it and just see, God, how many more sleepless nights? God, how many more prayers for that lost loved one until we get to where we're trying to go with this? How many more times do we got to go through this cycle, God? How many more fights? How many more arguments? How many more times do I got to invite them before finally they come and, and, and they, they get right with God, Lord? Until this pain goes away, until the fear is done, God, until the situation is rectified, I don't know. I just, God, I wish, I wish, I wish we could just pause it for one second and then I could know because even if it was two years, at least I could know I would feel better. Right? I mean, I can handle that. Like, even if he said, two more months, and then it's good. This thing you're worried about is good. He'd be like, okay. Then I'm not really going to stress for the next 60 days. I'm just going to roll with it because I know. And if he said two years, you'd be like, oh. I mean, at least I know. Because the hardest part is trusting God and, and know and when you don't know, you don't see the end. But I'm telling you, believe God. God knows. God is all-knowing. He did everything that you have walked through, everything that you may walk through yet. He already knows, and he did not give the enemy no qualifiers on what you were walking through. I promise you that in the name of Jesus. There was, there, there was, a, uh, there was something he had to walk through. Every trial and tr test and tribulation had to pass muster before an all-knowing, all-loving God who would not let you walk through the fire alone. And he would not let you walk through the pain indefinitely. He knows before we even ask how much we can take. And I promise you, he has set the expiration date, the ending. That he has set your breakthrough this side of your strength, this side of his anointing. And you can walk all the way to that expiration date. It's not too much. It's not too far. He loves you. He cares about you. He don't set you up for failure. He sets you up for the greatest of victories in him. Don't stop the, you know, to, to finish my carnal hide example. Don't stop the, don't stop the movie or the book um, on chapter 40 if there's 42 chapters. Now think about this. I, I've made you think about this before. Um, how, Polly, how upset would you be if we just cut the last six minutes off the great British waste of time <laughs> baking show how, no, really how miserable would it be because what, what happens in the last six minutes somebody wins some, some, mm. somebody wins and we get to find out who it is I don't know I don't know man Ben, what happens if I, if I turn off your, your Iron Man movie 10 minutes before the end? It'd be bad. 
Iron Man would be laying in a, like, like a crumpled uh, soda can in the corner like that. And the anti-hero would be standing like this or something like that, hovering over him. Iron Man, you thought. You are not strong enough. You know, doesn't matter. It, and it basically doesn't matter what, you, what your thing is, you know. I don't, I don't know what your thing is, but no matter what, if I cut the, like, the last 10, 12 minutes off of it, everybody dies. All the human race is enslaved. Um, the, the, they don't get back together. You know? Yeah. Your, your pride and prejudice, you know, you don't get your Mr. Darcy moment. You know, they're just miserable forever. I know I got to speak to everybody, Brother Keith. I got to get all over the place with this. My point is, how much more the narrative of grace that God is walking us through. Because if you get sick and tired of it and you get discouraged and you don't trust God and you cut the last 10 minutes off or the last chapter of what God is trying to do in this season of your life, I promise you it doesn't end well. It doesn't end, it doesn't end with him being glorified and with you being raised back into newness of life and encouragement and victory. We cannot stop the process in the middle of it at the hardest part. That's when you've got to plow through it. That's when we've got to trust God and believe God. Lord, I know that you wouldn't leave me here, God, and I'm going to give you the extra pages that you need to finish my story in the victory that I am believing you for, God. I'm going to give you enough elbow room, God, enough of my story to rewrite what I see now and to somehow turn it around. I don't know what the hero is going to do. I don't know how the, the relationship gets healed. I don't know what happens, but I know this. I will not put a period right here whenever God has put a comma and that the story's not over. I will trust you, God, with the rest of my life. Lord, I'm not just going to stop it right here. I'm not just going to curse God and die because God is able to right the wrongs. He's able to come back through this. God's not done with your story. Don't take the pen back into your hand. Don't do it. Trial has a limit. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such that is common to man. It's not just you. People have walked through this before and come through victoriously. You're not alone. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation, here you go. You ready? Will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, lastly, your trial has a purpose. It has a limit, it has an expiration date, and it has a purpose. See, it's God's responsibility that you come out of it but it's up to you how you come out of it. Let me, let, me, let me just zero in right here. For those of you who are walking in the trial, you are, mm -mm, let me get right down in your faces. You are going to come through this thing either looking more like Christ or markedly less. No matter how you come out of it, it won't change the expiration date. And it won't even change how hard the trial is. But it will change the narrative as far as who gets the glory 
And whether you come out shining like gold or pouting and have backslid, that's what you can control. The rest I leave to God. What you can control is if you come out believing God, trusting in God, saying, not for a moment was I forsaken. I did not see his hand, but I knew his heart. And not for a moment did he lose sight. In my trial, in my tribulation, he was there walking in the middle of the storm with me. And I glorify his name, because if not for him, or you can waste your own pain, like Sister Ruby Showalter, and during the ladies' conference, she said that, she said, God doesn't want to waste your pain. God won't waste your pain, but you might. Come through believing him. Come through refined. Submit yourself to the process. Trust until your breakthrough comes. My last point, conclusion, I guess. You will break out of this thing. You could say it like that, but more importantly, he will break in. That's really how it is, isn't it? Let's be real. That's the real deal, right? I'm not breaking out of this trial, but he's going to break in. I'm not breaking out of all these things, but he's going to break in. And right now, he's giving me enough to survive, but one day, he's going he's to come in in his glory and his power, and he's going to cancel it out. He's going to say, it's enough, and he's going to draw us into victory. Those miners weren't waiting to hammer their own way out of 770,000 metric tons of rock. It wasn't about that. It was about trusting the process and surviving until he broke in. The guy, the guy from up top with the, with the power to do it. And he did. And he drew them out. And they glorified God, every one of them. You either, amen. We're almost done here. Almost done. You're either going to come out of this thing better or bitter. You're either going to be more like Christ or less. Let us glorify him. Trust God through the pain, through the process. And let's be drawn closer to him. Brother Garrett shared something on, uh, on our last forge night. Which ironically, like I, I had shared a while back before, and you know, he just kind of reminded me of it that the uh, those Hebrew boys that were thrown into the fiery furnace from the exterior, the king and those around him looked into the fire. You think you're walking through something? When I was a little boy. Um, as a little boy, I, was try, I would try to memorize the scripture and I would try and say it right. And so, you know how KJV is, you know, a lot of these, a lot of thous. You know, very, you know, beautiful, you know, almost archaic language. And uh, so, I believe that the KJV, you know, says, um, they heated the fiery furnace seven times hotter than it was wont to be heated. And so I, like, I heard that, and I tried to quote it right when a little, little bit of guy, and I said, they heated it seven times hotter than it wanted to be heated. <laughs> like the fire, it didn't want to be heated that, that hot, but they just kept heating it than it wanted to be. <laughs> seven times hotter than normal. Now, oh man, you know I could preach another 18 minutes about seven times hotter. 
seven times harder. What is seven? Completion, totality. And I think that's kind of significant. Just say, just as hot as it could be, just, just all the way, as hot, as hard as it could be. Everything that they had. Sometimes the enemy will throw everything that he is literally allowed to throw at you. He uses everything at his disposal. And you know what? He doesn't get to throw all of it because everything he's allowed to throw at you because he's not allowed to kill you. So there they are in the furnace. Seven times hotter than it wanted to be. And they didn't want to be in there. But then through the heat, through the flames, which killed the men who threw them in there, the king looks in there at these three Hebrew boys and he says, I see a fourth man and there's something different about him he looks like a son of the gods or a son of the son of God I see him in there he is with you in the furnace he is with you in the flame he is with you but we made the uh, you know just to, just thought about it and it never says that the Hebrew boys saw him in there with him. Nowhere in Scripture in that passage does it say that the boys ever saw Jesus. All they saw was the flame. All they saw was the fire. All they saw was the thing, you know, licking at them, trying to destroy and consume them. And sometimes you won't see the purpose in what you're going through. You never will. Maybe somebody will tell you about it later on, but you don't see it the reason why you've been submitted to this process, to this trial, to this time is that someone else can. Someone can look at what you're walking through and how you're getting through it and say, I don't understand how they're still standing. I don't understand how they've been able to walk through what they're walking through, but I see Jesus in their situation. I see Jesus in their life. I see the grace of God that is on them, that is manifesting itself. I can see that there's no way that they get up and smile and keep going to work and keep going back into the situation like they do. I don't see how you do it, but I do because of that. I see Jesus in it. There is an unexplained a fourth element to whatever you're walking through because it doesn't make sense that you're still encouraged. It doesn't make sense that you still trust God in the middle of everything you're going through. And they're sitting back wondering, how on earth are you doing this? All I know is I see Jesus in your struggle. You may not see it, but I see God in your pain. I see it all throughout your trial. I can see him. He's all over you. And your pain didn't reveal God to you always, maybe, but maybe it revealed it to somebody else. Thank you, Brother Garrett, for reminding me that, that simple truth. Don't, don't just discount what you've gone through, because maybe, maybe there's somebody who sees you struggle with the physical problems that you have day in and day out, but you still come to church, and they say, you know what? I see Jesus in that. Sister Angie, with, your, with, with the physical challenges that you walk through and the pain that you have to go through, and you bear it with such grace, you really do. You may not see Jesus in your pain sometimes, but I do. I do. When you come there and sit there, and you're sitting a little closer because you're sitting in this spot, but Brother Philip, 
would have sat and you'd had to scoot. He would come in pain and still be faithful to the house of God, still lift his hands and still worship the Lord, still be an encouragement. And I don't think that he saw Jesus in his pain all the time. For sure not. But I did. John, it's good to have you in service today. You may not always see Jesus in the hard things you walk through, but to see you faithful, giving God the praise and the glory. You may not see Jesus in the moment, but I do. And I see him in you. I see him in you. see him in a lot of you guys who think that there's surely no way that God, that anyone would see him in you. But we do. We see him in your pain and the fact that you're still here. You're still walking in grace. You're still walking in the Lord. Any of those of you who battle with mental health issues but you still come and you still trust God and you still pray through those feelings of discouragement and, and whatever else it may be. And you still stay on top of the life that he calls you to through the pain, through the discouragement, through the depression. And you're like, God, why don't you just, just all done, get it out of here. You know, and then I can be happy. Because people who need to see Jesus see him in those things. But I'll tell you what. No matter what you're walking through, no matter when your expiration date for the trial that I've been talking about is, it is coming in the name of Jesus. It must, or he's not who he said he was. It must. And it won't come because you broke through. It'll come because he broke in. Let's stand.